0: Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to a very special episode of That Damn Ending Show. I'm Kelly, and of course, with me today is Oklahoma representative from House District 46, Mr. Jacob Rosecrantz. How are you? Doing well. Uh, nice to be inside the house. As we kind
1: of talked about before, it's not easy to uh, to run for office when it's over hundred degrees for any amount of days, but when it's that way for many, many days, it just becomes almost unbearable, but happy to be here, happy to be inside and happy to talk to you guys.
0: Well, thanks so much for taking the time. And, and that's the, actually the first thing that I was going to ask you about is your, uh, your campaign is in full swing. I mean, of course we have less than a hundred days, uh, Oklahoma voters, so you still have time to register to vote. And um, the Republicans here in Oklahoma have runoffs on the 22nd of this month, 23rd, we, 23rd, oh, 23rd. I'm sorry. Yep. And um, I'm always off by one number, but yeah, uh, make sure that it doesn't matter uh, who you are. Make sure you get out there and you vote, but especially here for um, for Democrats in Oklahoma, it is in especially important to vote because as we talked about straight party ticket voting. Let's let's talk a little bit about that for some of our podcast subscribers and listeners who may not understand how that works here in Oklahoma.
1: Yes, it's it's an interesting situation if you know the history of what straight party voting in Oklahoma was So just a quick history lesson, nothing hardcore. Um, This state is traditionally voted Democrat. Just that's what it has been all throughout its history. Just recently has it become a Republican state, but that doesn't necessarily mean that things have changed. What's changed is what the parties are kind of all about. So a lot of your Democrats, the rural Democrats that are out there, Some of them are still Democrats, but they don't see eye to eye with the Democratic Party anymore. Or they flip to Republican, which they never, ever used to see eye to eye with because it was more of an elitist city, you know, type chamber type thing. But, you know, all of a sudden with the rise of Trump, you have a lot of the rural folks that are like, okay, well, this is the way we see things, too. The Republican Party has completely changed. So there's that. So when we're talking about straight party voting, when the Democrats were in charge here, and I mean massively in charge, um, they added this straight party voting idea in there where basically should you go to vote you have a choice is it if you hit democrat it's gonna it's gonna uh excuse me choose all the democrats that are on that ballot same with republican but again the reason why they did that is to keep power that's just what it was so now that everything's flipped the republicans are utilizing that uh re uh that that um straight party voting option, and it's helping them. So so for instance, let's talk about how that would affect somebody. So I'm an incumbent, right? But I'm an incumbent in what used to be a 60% Republican leaning district, so a majority of Republican. No matter who you are, no matter what, you already become a very, very important uh, threat to me and my seat just because you have the R by your name because of straight party voting. So many people will just go in and I've heard the quote vote red and go back to bed for real. And that's, that's harmful. It's basically, I'm always against, I always tell people nameless, faceless Republican opponent, because it doesn't matter who it is. It's always going to be somebody that's close. Now in redistricting, my district did get more even we're, we're very close to 50, 50 now, which is great. But, uh, Yeah, it's, it's an issue. It's an issue around the state and we're only one of like eight states that even has this option anymore. And the only way we can get rid of it now since no party in power is going to let that go is with an initiative petition and just just hasn't been the will to get that done yet. But yep, that's where we're at with that. Not great for democracy just letting you know.
0: (laughs) No, and, um, but I greatly appreciate that lesson and I'm that's a good segue to move right into support for public education. Mm let's let's i mean there okay so one of the one of the headlines that's dominating the actually there's a couple of them in public education that i wanted to to get your opinion on number one epic epic is that we followed that uh, story since it broke here at, at talk jive here in oklahoma and it just seems to be getting a little bit worse the more you hear the worse it gets kind of like swaddlies (laughs) and so what I want to know is what do these what are these private vouchers and how is that how is that benefit our rural school districts considering this is a lot of it's based on numbers
1: yeah so a couple things number one the epic debacle if you will I'm I just spoke to their superintendent recently, and they are there's a there's a definite issue with they're trying to be more transparent. Do you see what I'm saying? They see the mistakes. They've uh, you know, uh Senator Ron Sharp, who was always calling him out. They've they've paid, you know, paid him the money that he was owed because you know they sued him and stuff like that. They're trying to turn the page and I commend that because, hey, they're not going to go anywhere. This is going to still be a thing because, you know, as well as I know, there are some students that learn uh, better online than they do inside a classroom. Are there 30,000? No. And that's what I told them, too. I was like, you know, you have other virtual charter schools that exist alongside the brick and mortar schools and they don't attack the public schools. And so, and and he was saying, well, we're going to change that too. So that's interesting to hear that there's going to be a new chapter. Um, but yeah, he did say that definitely the uh, the negative just connotation of Epic in general still hangs over their head, no matter what they try to do, because it was a mess. And the owners have obviously been arrested. Um, the founders, not the owners, the founders have been arrested along with one of the other guys. And And it, I think, it's going to stick. I think they were really doing some illegal stuff. So everybody who was calling that out, including myself, we were right on. It's just that they were, there were so many tentacles all over because they, be, they decided to get very political by donating to you know massive amounts of money to, to, to top leaders that they were able to kind of get away with things. And that's what happened. Although we've been trying to call them out. Now the voucher deal is a completely different situation because in this state, Charter schools are public schools. That's just, that's what it is. That By definition, that's what they are, even virtual charter schools. So vouchers are for private schools for, you know, to take a little bit of your tax money to go to a private school of your choice. Um, that means, you know, whatever private school it is, but usually it's not gonna be enough to cover the actual, uh, you know, tuition. So it's only gonna help a very small amount of people, mostly already affluent people who just couldn't get into the private school. Um, And that's about it. You're going to have arguments that say, well, we want to get our kids out of these failing schools. And so here's the answer, you know, because blah, blah, blah. But that also begs the question of what, who decides what a failing school is, what's the criteria, all those types of things. And right now it's based on a bunch of things that a lot of teachers don't have control over, such as absenteeism, such as uh, the test scores. Now they say, okay, you have a control over test scores and they have decoupled those a little bit since since that first started kind of happening. Uh they they base it more now on growth when it comes to the A to F scale for our schools. All of this is just failed ideas that haven't worked in any other states. But because there is a federal mandate to have this, um, that's why we have to keep on going this route, including the state tests, which I've been hoping to goodness gosh, that uh that the Biden administration would see this and be like, Let's end the testing mandates and let's let each state, you know, decide what they're going to do on this. And I'm still hoping for that because then we will have a say. I mean, right now I can say anything I want and then, oh, well, it's a federal mandate and you could lose federal money for doing that. Well, nobody wants to lose any, not a penny of money. So that fear really does work. And it keeps this awful system in, in, in being. And yes, I say awful. I'm here to Protect and strengthen our public schools, but that means strengthen them. I don't like the system that we're in. I don't like the fact we rely so heavily on tests. I don't like that we have uh, 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 that we won't fund the public schools to the amount that they need to be when it comes to per pupil spending. We're still the lowest in the, the the region for that, and so that's why some people are are starting to say our schools are failing. Well, it's purposeful, and so then there's this other big push when your schools are failing parents are going to be more open to an idea like a voucher it's so true especially in very um tough to to staff areas because that's a think about it administration and teachers is a constant turnover and so your quality of education is not going to be good that's just what it is and it was tough when i taught in the inner city which i did the whole time i was teaching it was always tough i had to have a massive massive passion to stay there otherwise i would have just gone to um a suburban district or even a rural district that had a little more um you know, consistency. So there's so many issues. But the main thing right now, KJ, is is the attacks, the out loud attacks by elected officials on our teachers and our public schools in the form of what I think is, no, there's no thinking. It's a fact that CRT is not in our schools. It, it, it blows me away that people can believe that a college level theory is something that we teach at a at a pre-K to 12 level. It, it's obviously fear-mongering and it's working with some folks, but I will say in my district with more, um, we have the third most uh, college degrees in my district. Well, if you're educated, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or not, you know that's BS. And so I'm having good conversations on the doors with people that are like, that's not happening, is it? And I was like, no, <laughs> no. And I'm sorry, but diversity, edu- uh, diversity, um, equity and, and inclusion is also not CRT. And I've been saying this over and over and over again, very much like if I was teaching a middle school classroom, you know, <laughs> it's like, it never stops. That was a lot of talking and I do apologize. Please, some questions, I apologize.
0: Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that to get that information because there are a couple of questions that I want to ask. Number one, I want to add to with the with the, we'll call lack of support, for educators here in Oklahoma, because there's a, a lack of financial resources, there's a lack of investment. There's a lack. I mean, we could go on and on and on, but wh- you, you, the state of Oklahoma, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, "Oh, we want to improve public education and not invest in it and and demonize it." I, I, I that's that's one of the, the the issues that I wanted to raise with with you there. And then second you talk about critical race theory I mean we're at the bottom of education we are ranked at the bottom we're we're trying to get our students to come to school I mean doing that and trying to trying to make up and and keep keep focused with with the with the education being downgraded with our lack of of educators having to be educated it's like who wants to go into the oklahoma classroom come on as long as you don't have a felony that we can find come and teach a class
1: yeah and it's not just oklahoma you're seeing this nationwide right now especially I mean, I try to be as bipartisan as I humanly possibly can, but especially in states that have a majority of of, uh, Republican leadership. That's just is what it is. And I think as I dig into the issue and try to really figure it out, because everybody's for their public schools when they're talking to people at their front doors, right? But then their votes are really what you have to look at and be like, well, that's not pro public education, brother. And so I'm trying to figure out how, why, what, where, where is the connection, misconnection there? What's going on? Well, I could only think that because the, the, the system is so, you know, underfunded, th- think, think about the, the Republican mindset, first of all. It's about fiscal conservancy, almost across the board. And it's about investing in things that you think would help bring businesses to Oklahoma. Well, that part just has been like completely forgotten. Now we have $2.8 billion in savings. Okay, great. I, I understand. I got to save for a rainy day too. I got to save for everything. I get it. I have to conserve. But guys, I, I have to keep a roof over the head. I have to keep my children fed. I have responsibilities within my little state, if you think about it this way, that I must do for, for everybody to be healthy and happy and and be able to do it. Same thing with the state. You can't just, you know, squirrel away the money and say, hey, this is a victory and then never touch it again. And then watch your your, you know, Core services become defunct for all intents and purposes, and especially when inflation's so high. So that was one of my things with teacher pay raises. Um, I wanted to tie it into inflation to where they would raise automatically whenever this passed back in 2018. Couldn't get that done because the, the fiscal can we need balance. We need balance. We need people that want to invest and have those good ideas, which that's a lot of Democrats. And then we need fiscal conservatism as well, but we need the balance. We don't need one side or the other. We need a nice Middle ground, because that's what this state really is. I know that it's majority Republican when it comes to voting. But really, honestly, when you talk to people at their doors, they care about normal things. But mostly, too, they care about their public schools. Like 100% of them do. Every now and again, I've knocked thousands of doors already this year. Two have been pro school choice or pro, I'm sorry, that's not even what it is. They took that term over. Pro vouchers. And that's it. Everybody else believes that their public schools should be funded and 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 you know quit quit attacking the teachers. Teachers are trying the best they can and make sure that they're paid the right amount. But you talk to people at the Capitol now. Well, we already gave them a pay raise. Oh, okay. Okay, but it, it wasn't enough then. You should have uh uh decided that you should keep going with it, you know, because other states are also gonna pass their bills to. There's an arms race to try to get teachers, and Oklahoma's completely failing it. And we've been saying this for a really long time, but it got politicized, so people are like, well, the Democrats are just wrong, and, well, the Republicans are right on this thing. But once you politicize something like that, it gets really, really, really... um, Tough to do anything with it because then nobody really wants to do any. It's a place of lip service at the Capitol anyway, to where it's like, oh, but we love our public schools. Oh, but we're going to hold you flat in the budget though. It's okay. Oh, we've got more money than we've had in a long time. You're flat. That's because you're already 50% of the budget. I get that, but it's also expensive to, to make sure that you have the right supports for all these children, uh, almost 800,000 children that's going to be expensive. and but, but that's a great investment in your state. And should you take care of your public schools? Should you take care of your um, health care and these types of things? And then quit being so dug deep in these social issues that shouldn't even be legislated. Well, then guess what? Companies will want to come to Oklahoma, A, because it's cheaper than anywhere else right now. And B, well, that may, that's just it right there. But then B, as long as you have what the workers or their, their employees will need, like the infrastructure, then you should be good to go. Oklahoma has completely decided to ignore that part and just give massive tax breaks to have companies come here. And even then they're like, well, thank you for the tax break, but <laughs> we need something else, <laughs> you know? So it's a big issue. And with I don't see the victory in, in attacking our schools and public teachers. I just don't see
0: I don't see the point. I don't see the point. <laughs> well, and and here's the thing too that that we we talk about supporting public school teachers and 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 hey, I personally I'm going to say this up front, I don't think more police in our schools is the answer. I personally don't believe that. That's me, that's my opinion. I understand why there needs to be security measures in school. I I totally get that but in the end and just like we saw talk about something that gets worse and worse and worse uvalde when we i mean now it's almost like you expect anybody who wants to come in and teach and maybe that's why the standards have been lowered so much is because now you you kind of got to expect teachers and educators to be willing to be armed in their classroom. And I mean, let me ask you as a former educator, is that something that was even that even ever crossed your mind to be armed in your classroom?
1: No, absolutely not. I think it's a horrible idea. Any educator worth their salt will tell you that because, you know, as well as I know, you're only as safe as you can possibly be, but you're around a bunch of kids 24 seven, you got your gun, even if you lock it up. You can't even you won't be able to get it and then actually shoot what a former student. We're not even built that way. Even if we take training, that's not the way that it works. Now, I because of this issue, I have decided to author a um, a interim study on school security. Um, I teamed up with uh, my Republican colleague, uh, Representative Daniel Pay, which is interesting. So I have a majority of Republicans in my district, I'm a Democrat. He has a majority of Democrats in his district, he's Republican. So of course, you know, he and I are going to be like the best of buds because he loves my ideas and I like his ideas and he helps me pass stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool. And then also Senator, uh, John Michael Montgomery from down in Lawton as well. Those are the two Lawton reps. And, um, we're, we're actually really kind of excited. It's a lot. I didn't, didn't really think about this. It's a big hot button issue, obviously, but what we're going to do we're going to look at a couple different ways. One, what are, what do we already have in operation at our schools? We'll bring in um, OSSS, which is this Office of School Security uh, through the State Department of Education. So they could present that. That's mostly for parents and anybody else who doesn't know because it's hard to get that information out there. And then we're going to bring in some other folks who have other things going on like OSSI, which is an institute that does trainings and stuff like that. We're going to let them present And then we're going to start digging into some of the ideas of that maybe need a little more, uh, you know, research, for instance, the RAVE app. So that's $3 million of state money on on an idea that some districts won't even use. So I think that might be a waste of money. We're going to take a look at that. We're also going to take a look at building security in general. We're going to bring some people from out of state on that. But yes, we also are going to look into the SRO program, which we have here in Norman. Um, It's worked perfectly fine. You know, their SROs here build relationships with the community, with the the children and everything like that. But that's not the way it is in every single district. And so I want, but we are going to take a look at that. We want to see, you know, are they trained correctly? Are they trained in mental health crisis? You know, for when the children have a mental health crisis, because that's about 80% of the, the times they're going to get called in on something. And they do want that extra training from at least the police officers I've talked to out here in Norman. And so I've actually tried to to file a bill before to require that training, um, because they take it, but it's not required. It's one of those things where you just kind of make it your decision. But with the overwhelming amount of of, uh, issues that they deal with that are mental health from students, I thought that would be a good idea. We're going to look at that. But we're also going to look at, um, you know, partnerships between police and and schools too because really when it comes down to it I, I hear what you're saying I do but I have different experiences than you are too than you do too and I know that at least I know that some folks don't get that I am I am a white male in a majority white state that's just is what it is so I get treated a little bit differently and I have different uh experiences with police than than most other people especially people of color I get that so I try to listen and I try to get that involved as well but uh we, I always have been scared of our schools being soft targets, always, have always felt that way, especially if you're out in the, the, the portables, um, which I was, you know, a lot of times whenever I was at my school. Yeah, you got fencing and all that good stuff. somebody really wants to do some damage and that could be domestic terrorist or just a school shooter or even, you know, a terrorist wanting a lot of numbers to, to try to make a point, a school would always be one of those targets. So I've always wanted to kind of delve into this and see what we could do better And part of that conversation is going to be arming teachers too. Am I for it? Absolutely not. And, but when I'm presenting a study, I want to be kind of hands off and see if we can do the, the, we can get to the point through questions. Do you see what I'm saying? Now we already have a bill that allows that for teachers to be armed, but it's only in very small rural areas. We put that in there. I mean, I didn't, I didn't pass it. I didn't. I voted no on it because I think it's just a really bad idea. But in rural areas, I guess I can kind of see it because you are pretty far away from, you know, uh, SWAT teams. There's none of that. Um, the police station themselves, maybe a couple of guys, you know, so I, I get that that's a different issue completely than it is in suburban and urban areas. So I kind of don't think we need to change the law, though. I think just leave it alone, just, just move on. And we're going to see if we can look into that, too. But I feel you. um. But there's another reason why I did this study, too. I wanted to get ahead of the game because on the other side, you're going to see bills to loosen it up and arm teachers and make sure there's at least an arm teacher on everyone. You hear the rhetoric already. So I really wanted to make it A, bipartisan, and B, I want to get ahead of the game as you start seeing even the governor doing executive decision, uh, executive orders, things like that, that are just like saying, okay, we know it's an important issue. We're going to try to take the, the conversation and say it's very important to make our schools like these fortresses with armed everybody. I, that's not it. Plus, I'm going to have a piece in mind too. We're going to bring in some good speakers talking about prevention, making sure that we have licensed professional counselors, enough to where the kids look at all the kids that, that have done some of these shootings, they most of them, at one time attended the school they chose to target at one time. So if we could maybe have those supports and have that conversation about prevention, well, then that could take care of just about everything. And I know that the gun conversation is out there. I understand. I'm a person who believes that you need to be 21 to have a weapon of war. That's just the way I've always been. But that's not something we're going to be able to get done in our study. It would never have been accepted had we done that. That's the nature of the beast. I knew that, but I'm going to try to have a very good study that we can actually present and I'll make sure you get the information that you can share out and stuff like that.
0: I greatly appreciate that. And part of that study too, with our last few minutes, because this is something that is is something that I've always advocated for. And I think that we need it now. And I don't know if this is a because it, it does come down to public safety. And that's predatory educators. We're seeing this in greater numbers of educators, just like law enforcement officers, just like a lot of other professions who don't get who they're not listed in any kind of registry anywhere. And it's like, this is a predator, this person has preyed on students, this person has stalked other families in in their communities, and yet they get to go on and teach and be an administrator someplace else in oklahoma and the people the at the new school have no idea
1: so i don't know about all of that i've had a few constituents reach out to me about some of these issues i do know the state department of education does their very best when it comes to making sure there's background checks and things like that but some of these things slip through the 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 the, whatever the gates whatever you want to call it slip through the cracks and um but I, I I think, again, now, it, think about it now with the the fact that you're struggling to even fill in positions, especially math and science, which is crazy right now, that you probably wouldn't look so hard, but you have to have like three different background checks to be a teacher here in Oklahoma. You really do. It was a lot. And I had to pay for them too, which sucked. But um, so I don't know if that's necessarily an issue that's so widespread or is it just like is it one of those deals where like when it does happen, it's like, oh my God, it's awful. And it shouldn't, we shouldn't have it happen. I I don't know. I know that all, all teachers are perfect. They, they they're a nice little um reflection of, of human society. Right. I mean, cause that's what they are, but teachers should at the very least with the position that they have, have those three background checks, which they do and make sure that if there is, again, I don't know of any felons that are teachers. I know they're out there, I'm sure, but I don't know. This is not something I've seen. This is just not something I've seen.
0: I'm not even talking about felons. I'm talking about people who don't even get charged. And and again, I don't know you know, it's like you either quit, you either you either leave this community or we're going to charge you. And it's again, like they n- can't not something and, I've
1: seen here because boy, I tell you what, you mess up in Norman, you're out. But um it's just not something I'm seeing. I'm sure it happens positively sure it does. I've heard stories. I read, read, you know, the news and stuff. Um, But to be rehired after, well, I I guess I get it. If you haven't been, you know charged or something i guess you could go somewhere yeah.
0: else and i don't see how you
1: can stop that either if you haven't been charged i mean what what would be how could you do that
0: what would um, the, what would the basis be and that would be a, a an infringement on somebody's rights you know right. because i never got charged with anything so
1: right or what if reason- it was somebody who was accused of something they never did do it but because there's those things that exist too i mean they do now you're getting into some kind of gray area there, but I mean it's it's one of those things. Listen, the teachers should be above reproach. We should be hiring the best and the brightest to be teachers, but the fact that we've ignored the fact that our te- our teacher pipeline is completely empty, and even though myself and some of the other educators that were elected after 2018 um, have great ideas, well, they cost money because it's called investing, and this state hates spending money and it blows me away. That's why I'm, I've befriended as many people across the aisle as I can. So I could be like, please take my idea and pass it, please, please, (laughs) because it's really good for the state. You can take it. I don't care. Put me as a co-author and let's just pass something together. And hopefully now that we have a little bit more money in the, in the pockets and in the coffers, we do, we do. I mean, I can't say that, that the GOP or the, the Republicans that are in charge of the state have done a excellent job, but they have saved money. And it did did happen to kind of keep us going through the uh, pandemic that there's no way anybody could have known. So good thing we did have a rainy day fund. Let's think about it positively. You see me trying. But uh, now it comes to the point, though, where you can't just use that as an excuse and just screw away money. We really do need to start investing in, especially in uh, refilling the teacher pipeline. And there's ideas out there all over the place. And one of my big plans is to just be like, hello, teachers, what is it that you need to be able to teach a classroom to the level that you need to? And then let's give them that. Also, I'm almost libertarian when it comes to how I want to fund things. I want to look at it through per pupil spending, whatever that number is, you give it to the schools, the funding formula does its magic, and we step the heck out, we get out. We let the local boards take care of their stuff. We let the local administrators take care of their stuff. If there's anything that needs to go to a state level, we have that option as well. But we don't do what we're doing now, which basically is empowering our state to attack our public schools with this CRT and House Bill 1775 crap. That is an awful bill. It was awful when it was written. It's awful when it went through the process. It's awful that it was passed because what it does, if people don't know, this is that anti-CRT bill, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It, it, it legitimizes that this is happening in our schools and there's an emergency that needs to be fixed. Well, all of a sudden then, since Stitt was able to make the State Report, uh, state Board of Education in his image, guess what? Now you have a school district, Mustang. This is insane now. This, this is where we're talking about insanity. I found out what that teacher did. It's in, the, it's in the news. That's an icebreaker that I've done before. It is. It's an icebreaker that a lot of teachers do and we can't do that now now i have to admit you have to watch what you say when you say student step forward if you got to be careful you got to really think about it and because it can go off the rails think about it if you do say student step forward if you've been in ta- i don't know it's it's now now something i recommend no teachers do <laughs> anymore but that's sad because it always was a good project to be like look look you're not alone look you've got other people here why don't you guys go sit down and talk whatever it was a great icebreaker um but not only did that teacher get in trouble the district tried to take care of it themselves after they heard about it because i guess a parent heard about it and got angry and then not that would enough the board then takes their accreditation down a notch that is a banana republic this is this is dictator type stuff this is this is red scare 2.0 it's bad and if you're a teacher in that environment are you saying that you're not going to go to a different state if you have a chance to get away from that or are you saying you're going to stay in a profession that's under attack to the level where the state board of education doesn't believe or doesn't care do the math who wants to teach in that so as we have that shortage of teachers continuing vouchers are going to be a more and more popular idea because they don't cost a darn dime or if they do it goes in the hands of the parents and you can just say i'm out and watch our public schools die for all intents and purposes or we'll have a new like segregation like that would bring back segregation almost in a weird way you'll have students that have the wherewithal that can go to a private school and do whatever they want you'll have the students that can't be stuck in these other schools that aren't going to get the supports and that teachers will struggle to stay and teach in i it's a slippery slope but but, KJ, we can fix it. Are you ready it for kinda this? It kind of
0: sounds like that's where we're at now. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, but we can fix it. Like I, can I always like it.
1: to have nice, hopeful ending of conversation. So here's how you fix it, y'all. You cannot vote for Kevin Stitt as governor. You can't do it. He has said, and his actions have backed it up, that we are going to be all about private school vouchers. Because, you know, you hear the code words. You hear school choice. That's a code word. You hear um, parent choice, code word. Those types of things are saying, okay, guess what? This is what we're gonna focus on. And again, so don't vote for him, vote for Joy Hoffmeister, please. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever, she's gonna be better. She's not perfect, she's gonna be better. She'll surround herself with good people, that's important. And she knows the system. She knows how to work in government, like Stitt doesn't know. Also, Ryan Walters for State Superintendent of Public Instruction. I've known this man, he and I work well together on the Play to Learn Act. He is not himself right now. And if somebody's willing to be who he's being right now, this very anti-public education person that I know is not in his heart, but he's doing probably to get elected, he's not electable. And so, and a couple of things, if that's the truth, he's not electable. But if he's being truthful about the things he's saying, he's not electable. So if you're a Republican listening to this or anybody else, and on, on August 23rd, you have to vote for April Grace. You just have to. She's got the experience. She'll be one of our most experienced uh, superintendents ever. And she'll be up against the 2020 Teacher of the Year. There's no losing for public education should she get in there because she's pro-education. Gina Nelson's pro-education. And then we go forward. Now, my choice would be Gina Nelson because she's also my friend, but she's going to be underfunded. She's going to need lots of help. And um, April, should she win, it wouldn't be a travesty. If Walters gets through there, guys. It would be a travesty. It would be a travesty. So you can't vote for Stitt. You can't vote for Walters. Vote for anybody else you want. But those two people cannot be voted back in to run this state. They cannot. They cannot. So as long as we do that, we show up to vote. We have more control. We will see our public schools start to rebuild. Ideas will start to build back up. Don't forget about balance, too. We're not going to change the Republican majorities in the House and the Senate. But if we elect a Democrat at the, at the uh, gubernatorial level, then you're talking about a little more balance, which is only good for the state. So that's where we're at. That's
0: right <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much representative Rosecrans from House District 46 and uh, don't forget show up and vote in November gotta make our voices heard there's a lot of important things on the ballot too so hopefully you'll come back and talk to us before November and and kind of catch us up on on how things are going and uh, thank you so much for the conversation today
1: you bet thanks for having me
0: Thanks, everyone. Don't forget, this is a production of the Institute for Native Arts and Media. If you want more information, you can contact us on our social media pages. This is That Damn Indian Show. I'm Kelly, and we'll see you again soon. Have a great day.